Welcome to the Jump Around with Blake Dudonis, my podcast on women's basketball. Joining me today, the head coach of Ryder, Lynn Milligan. And man, what a year Ryder had. 26-4, Stella Johnson led the nation in scoring at nearly 25 points per game. And uh, Lynn's a coach who's been at Ryder for a while. She's an alum and took a while to build that program, but just slowly and steadily have gotten better and better. And then this year, they win the regular season MAC championship. So look forward to talking to her about her journey back to her alma mater, how she's turned it into a top-tier team in that conference and really had it rolling. Obviously, we'll talk about how the season ended abruptly, like we will with most of, this, most of the coaches here over the next few weeks and months. But I'm uh, looking forward to talking to Lynn, and uh, we'll get her on the phone. We'll be right back. This is The Jump Around. Welcome back to the jump around and joining me. It is Ryder head coach Lynn Milligan. Coach, really appreciate you taking time. I know we all have so much time now, but it's still appreciated uh, that you're willing to take some of your day out for me. So thank you. Uh, no problem, Blake. This is um, it's a nice break from um, sitting in my makeshift office and get to talk to somebody else. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, thank you for talking in your makeshift office to me in my makeshift office. That's uh, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> um, for people who don't know, my goodness, you guys had a uh, Quite a year, uh, to say the least, but um, we'll get into that on the back end, And but I want to okay. make sure people kind of get your story. You know, you're you're an alum. You you played at yeah. Ryder. You played basketball and softball at Ryder. Um, I did. Take me back to the days of, of dual sports. We don't, we don't see that as much, and yeah. certainly not basketball, softball. That's an interesting combo. Yeah, it was, um, obviously, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you know, back in those days and, you know, I say those days, like early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, it was, um, you know, something that I was able to do. Um, fortunately I had two great coaches that allowed me to do that. Obviously I went to Ryder to play basketball. Um, that was always my first love and my first, you know, passion. Um, but you know, in high school back then, you know, we weren't, um, single sport focused, you know, I played field hockey, basketball, softball, you kind of did a little bit of everything, um, and then when I got to college, um, I, you know, met some people that were on the softball team and stuff. I knew the softball coach from high school. And, um, you know, after my freshman year, you know, they asked if I would play. And I was like, yeah, it was great. So I'm not a sit-around kind of person. So it was, you know, the day after basketball was over. Um, I had no softball responsibilities during basketball, obviously. And the day after basketball was over, I was normally on the plane down to Florida for uh spring training at the rebel games down there and it was it was a lot of fun yeah. it was a lot of fun i mean obviously basketball was a little bit different then as far as um postseason wasn't as intense um so i was able to kind of get around that and do both so it was fun i was, I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity and i wouldn't change it it was terrific yeah and you were you were a contributor in both and found a lot of success yeah. in both too so that's even more rare where you're, you're you're playing both and you're you're quite good at both uh if, yeah if you could take me back to that time though even later uh, say your senior year or so you get ready to graduate mm-hmm. you finish basketball you're finishing softball if i if i asked you then hey what's next for you what would the answer have been um exactly what i'm doing now i know that um you know people say oh no it's not i i knew i wanted to be a coach when i was 16 it was just something that i was drawn to um i never had i think in my entire life what most people consider a real job or a normal job 
Um, when I was in high school, the only thing I did all summer was work camp, field hockey camp, softball camp, basketball camp. When I came home from college in the summers, I did the same thing, field hockey camp, softball camp, basketball camp. That's all I've ever done is be around um, younger people um, and be around the sports, you know. And like I said, basketball was my first love. So um, I wanted to be a basketball coach. I wanted to be – I was fortunate enough to be able to go to some Division One games as a high school player and kind of understand that atmosphere live because um you know back in the 80s and 90s there weren't any women's basketball games on tv the only game that was ever on tv was the final um the national championship game mm. so i get my dhs tape and you know record the national championship game the one time a year you got to watch a game live um so i was fortunate enough to go live and just i, I was just always intrigued by the interaction and the connection that that coaches had to their players and you know obviously i was blessed with some great coaches um, and just wanted to kind of have that same impact on, on young people and tried to design my um, academic and athletic career uh, to put me in the best position possible. Mm. And, um, you know, I did that in college, and I was fortunate enough to be able to go to Ryder and then had a unbelievable coach who to this day is still like my second dad, and, and he was able to formulate a grad assistantship for me um, at Ryder with the help of my softball coach in order for them to pay for my grad school. I had to be the grad assistant for both sports. So I actually got to coach both sports at Ryder after I got to play both sports. So that was, um, that was, it was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, being at Ryder for those six years, um, then my next goal became to get back to Ryder. So I was very fortunate that my career came full circle. Um, you know, most, most assistant coaches, I I was assistant coach for 15 years at the D1 level and I loved it, loved everything about it. And um, my goal was not to be a head coach like most assistants. My goal was to be the rider head coach. Um, and that's what I worked for. And, you know, when that opportunity came and I was fortunate enough to get that, um, you know, here we sit 13 years later and it's been a, it's been a battle uphill and, and we've, you know, we've gotten to where we want to be. And now, you know, the battle starts to stay where we are. Yeah. That's, that's so interesting, right? The, the rider yeah. head coach, that's a very specific goal. Um, yeah, and it you- was, it was, and, it, and it's forgotten the truth. I mean, I just, I love rider. I love the place it is. And it was, it did a lot for me. Um, it's a special place. And I felt like that if I could get back there, that that was the type of place that I could be me and I could be um, able to turn a program around and win, but also have an impact on some just great young women that we bring into our program. And I thought the balance um, there would really work for me. Your journey to get there, your Central Connecticut State, Drexel, St. Joe's as an mm-hmm. assistant, how did working for the people you worked for, how did it prepare you that once the opportunity arose that you could go, inter- yeah. you'll go interview and get it right. That's a challenge in and of itself, yeah. but you go and get it. How did those stops yeah. prepare you for that? Well, you know, I was fortunate to work for some great people, you know, obviously my coach at Ryder, Eldon Price, who um, just taught me a lot uh, when he took over our program. Um, he taught us how to win and taught us a work ethic and taught us, you know, brought out the passion in the sport for us. And then after I was finished my grad assistantship, I was just interviewing for jobs um, every chance I could get, you know. And I was at that point, you know, I was on my own, so I was ready to go anywhere and do anything. And I was fortunate enough to work for um, Brenda Riley at Central Connecticut, who's an icon in our sport and um, just somebody that I learned so much from in the one year that I was with her. Um, And probably the biggest lesson I took away from Coach Riley was just you can always make things better. You know, every time I would give her work to look at, she would always say, it's really good, Lynn, but let's make it better. Like, you know, and that's just something I've always taken with me. Like, it's good, but make it great. Hmm. 
um, and she was just wonderful to work for. And then after that, I was fortunate enough to head back home. I mean, I'm from South Jersey, so Philadelphia is pretty much home. And um, worked for Kevin Murphy, who was an assistant at Ryder my past couple of years. So he had gotten the head Drexel job and asked me to join him there. Um, and I was fortunate enough to do that for six years. And then incredibly fortunate to stay in the Philadelphia area and um, move on over down City Line over to St. Joe's and work for Cindy Griffin, who's still there now. Um, when Cindy took over the St. Joe's job, I was with her for her first six years. And, um, you know, she really taught me how to, to run a program, um, you know, to, to win at a higher level, um, just to be, to be around your kids and find a way to just make a, an impact um, that was really special. And I was able to take that with me um, to Ryder. So I was really fortunate to work for some great people. When you take the Ryder job, I mean, it, the program is in bad shape, right? They, uh, they'd won yes. five games yes. the previous two years. I mean, it was they hadn't yes. won double-digit games in forever. And and here's the thing. Yes. Your, your first five years, 38 and 112. That yeah. doesn't Thanks happen. For me. Yes, thank you. I know that's very nice that. of me. I know. I'm glad. I'm glad. I always like to make friends on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> but we're here talking. That means it's the it's You're a, a good part. Very detailed guy. I yeah. like it. <laughs> this is this is a setup for the good part that's coming up next. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but hit me with it. I mean, but I mean, knowing obviously the the program was what it was. You knew it. Your administration knew it. All that. But the struggle. Yeah. And having the realistic expectations to build it, like it takes a long time to do it, especially when you're taking over a situation like you did. Um, yeah. How were you able, because we're coaches and we're competitive when we like to win, right? So I know that had right. to be difficult for you. So how were you able yeah. to navigate the difficulty, frustrations of losing, knowing you're building something special? But how were you able to, to go through that with your staff, with your team, with mm-hmm. your administration? How, how yeah. was that? Well, you know, it, it definitely was an uphill battle. You know, we had our struggles. Um, you know, we had difficulties along the way, like every, you know, coach does when you're taking over a program. Um, we had to make a lot of changes. We had to formulate a culture um, that the administration and the program and university could be really proud of, and that definitely took some time. Um, but, you know, back then it was it was a situation where nobody likes to lose, but, you know, you can define success any way you want. And you know, the way I defined success back then was, are we taking the steps um, to be what we ultimately want to be? And are we doing it the right way? I was not um, in favor of the quick fixes. You know what I mean? And back yep. then it would be, you know, okay, we're going to, you're going to, we're going to take five transfers and five Juco players and we're going to fix it. And I didn't want to do that at the beginning because I wanted to be able to establish the culture that, that we could sustain. Um, I always said I didn't want a winning season. I wanted a winning program Mm. and that was going to take time you know Mm. and unfortunately i have an administration that saw um beyond just the numbers um that we were doing things the right way and bringing in the right people and you know i've had an amazing coaching staff and i think that the consistency that i've been able to keep with my coaching staff has been incredibly important to our build i mean pam durkin's been with me since day one and she's an alum um, you know, my Dobo is an alum, my other assistant, Marie Gilkes is an alum. Um, and I've just had some amazing people work with me for long amounts of time. And I think when you can, um, establish a consistency within your staff, I think that helps you establish a consistency within your program as you're trying to move forward. But we saw small successes as we went along, you know, and it wasn't in the win column early, but we knew what we were doing was the right way. And we knew that that's how we wanted to do it and how we wanted Ryder women's basketball to be represented. 
Um, you know, and it did take some time, but it was it, it was worth it. It was a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, but we're very proud of, of what we've done, and we're proud of our program. And, and all the players that have come through um, have really left their mark, and, that, and that's what it's about. We talk about culture, right? That's the buzzword now that we all talk mm-hmm. about. But and we you yeah. know, you got to build it. And other, but for you, like, what is what does that look like specifically? As much as you you can are yeah. willing to dive into that. Like when when people say that, I, like, what does that mean mm-hmm. for you guys? Yeah. Well, for rider basketball, our culture is what we call rider heart and soul. And what we ask of our players is, they, is that they give us our heart and soul every single day, no more and no less. And we define heart and soul as uh, rider heart is hardworking, enthusiasm, attitude, relentlessness, and we do everything together. And then over the years, we've added soul to that, um, selflessness, ownership, unity, and a larger purpose. Um, so those are those are what we base our culture on, and, and our kids know um, what that means. They know how important that is to us, and that's something that never changes. You know, everybody has, um, you know, themes every year. You know, everybody's got their buzz line, their tagline, their hashtag every year. But we're always rider, heart, and soul, and that's just what we've been built on um, from day one. I'm a big believer in, in everything that goes into that. Um, I think you can accomplish anything with heart and soul. And um, so we instill that in our, in our players very early in their careers and they understand what it takes. And and I think it can be as simple as that, but it's also hard to bring that every day. Um, And that's the challenge that we put on our players. Mm. Well, it's worked, right? So we look at the last few years, you guys have won 70 Mm -hmm. games uh, this past year, specifically 26 and four, 18 and two in conference. Mm -hmm. It's the most wins you guys have ever had in the Mac Uh, coach of the year. I mean, you name it, you guys, had a had an incredible year, and yeah, for you to now again looking back at at those first few years, now you go and you're like, man, we're we're hardly losing any games. What's it like <laughs> once you? Because at, at some point you've got to look around and go, hey, we're pretty good, right? Is yeah. there did that you happen? Think, you would think you do that, but you don't. Okay, you would think you do that, and you know now being a head coach, it's like. You know, and I say it all the time, like, I hate losing way more than I love winning. Yeah. You know, so it's, and it's funny because maybe this is, this is the time when I actually, like, I'm stuck at home that I actually can process, um, (laughs) you know, what we've done over these last five or six years and appreciate it probably a little bit more than I allowed myself to, but, Mm -hmm. um, it's obviously been a, been a, like I said, it's been a, it's been coming. It hasn't been, you know, we're not a one, one hit wonder. We don't want to be that. Um, we want to be able to sustain our success. Um, and it's been really based on the people around us. You know, I say it all the time. I'm a poster child for you're only as good as the people around you. Yeah. And I'm just around great people every day that, you know, my staff, I mean, time, work ethic, loyalty, that's what they give me every day. That's what they give our kids every day. Um, and we have a great set of young ladies. And this year was kind of a culmination of, um, Four, I mean, it's 16 years this year, and most of them, you know, three of them had been with me for four and five years, and a couple of them were transfers. But, um, you know, this group in particular really had um, some very high expectations um, placed on them, you know, from themselves and from, you know, our outer circle. But their vision um, and their common goal was very apparent from jump, and they knew you know, if they committed to each other and made the sacrifices that are necessary to be um, the best that you can be, that they could have success. And, and they really lived up to all the hype and they lived up to the, to, you know, the expectations that were placed on us and did a great job. I mean, yeah. you know, when you have a player like Stella Johnson leading you, 
um, and everybody follows that, it, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, and for people who aren't aware of who Stella Johnson is, I would say, why aren't you paying more attention? Uh, led the yeah, exactly. led the nation in scoring. <laughs> she's a finalist for yeah. all the awards. She should be a finalist for. Yeah. Uh, and she's a kid too, though. That this is not a kid that was getting all these crazy offers, and you guys stole no. her, right? You guys mm-hmm. didn't get lucky. Yeah. This is a kid that was overlooked, and you end up with her. Yeah. And now people are going, yeah. "How the heck did you get this kid?" Um, yeah. As you, but that's, you know, yeah. when you go. Yeah, you go back into, you know, you're talking about before, like about building a program and stuff like that. When we got to Ryder, and Ryder's in Central Jersey. It's five miles from Princeton. We're 45 minutes north of Philly, and we're about an hour and 15 south of New York City. So geographically, we're right in the middle of it. But if you pull out the map and you look at the amount of Division One schools yeah. in that three-hour radius from top to bottom, there's a lot of them. So when we took over Ryder and you're winning two and three games a year, you're not getting the best players. No. You know what I mean? You're Everybody thinks they can play for you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. And, I do. You know, and we, we pride ourselves on trying to find that, I mean, it's cliche, but that diamond in the rough, trying to find that player that that brings, that you can see the heart and soul as you're watching them. You know, it's easy to walk onto, you know, an AAU court and be like, oh, there's the best player because she's scoring all the points. Well, that's every, you know, there's 20 coaches sitting on a the court. They're all going to recruit the same kid. I can't recruit that kid. And that's kind of the philosophy that, that we went with like let's find the kids that do the other things let's find the kids that we feel like have really high ceilings and then let's get them there you know within our player development and how we do things because if i recruit a player that's already at their best or has reached their ceiling well that doesn't do us any good you know and stella was a a a player that i mean she played for the new jersey panthers for john grish she played with Blair watson like she was on a very good aau team and if you watch them um she did all the other things, you know, she led their press. She always got the big steal. She always made the end one to finish the game. Um, her demeanor and her balance is incredible. Um, she plays the same no matter what. You won't know. I mean, to this day, when you watch Stell play, you won't know if we're up by 10 or down by 10. Mm. You won't know if she made the big shot or missed a shot. I mean, she's exactly the same all the time. And that stuck out to us. And, um, you know, we were pretty much our only D1 offer. And she wanted to stay close to home and she wanted to be in Jersey and she wanted to come to a program and make a difference. And, and she certainly did. And just really through a lot of hard work and the way she handled herself, um, took herself and our program to another level. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it always helps when you have the best player on the court. Right. And, and she's kind of yeah, exactly. built herself. And that into, she's your hardest worker. Uh, that's you it. Know? And that, that she's your that's hardest the dream. Is a huge case. <laughs> that's the yep. dream. What, yeah. um, for, for you, and it's, it's very apparent and obvious that you're, you're comfortable, obviously, in your in your role, and you're confident in, in what you're doing. And I'm just curious. And this is this is I will full disclosure. This is a 100 percent a question of Blake Dudonis entering his second year ever as a head coach. This is me trying to steal information <laughs> from you. Yeah. <laughs> For you to be that confident though in what you guys are doing and how you're doing it, and again, you know, going through as you're building a program, mm-hmm. were there ever? I mean, were there doubts? Were there questions for you that as you as you're doing your thing and you and you feel right, you feel like we're doing this the right way, we're we're approaching things yeah. the right way. But were there doubts and how do you fight through those? How do you get through those to continue to stay on the path of like, no, 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 this we yeah. know this is going to work. Let's just trust it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's the biggest thing. You have to believe in what you're doing, and I think when you set your course, I mean, there's never a straight path to success. There's always bends and turns, and and you you expect those. But when you set your course and you say, okay, this is, this is how I feel like we need to do this. And this is, 
you know, how I feel like we're going to get to where we want to be. I don't, you know, at the beginning, you don't know how long it's going to take. You don't know how many curbs in the road there's going to be. But if you believe in the path that you set, um, you have to, you have to stick with it. I think the mistake a lot of young coaches do is they don't have their own philosophy. It's a philosophy of, you know, this person or that person, and they're trying to combine 16 different ideas mm-hmm. that they heard yeah. instead of sitting down and saying, okay, I just, you know, you come back from the WBCA convention and you've got 15,000 <laughs> new ideas and now they're all mine. You know what I mean? Right, right. Um, you know, so I think it's, I think as a young coach, you have to sit down and say, okay, what's important to me? Like, obviously there's, there's so many amazing coaches out there that just have lesson after lesson and, and we'd be silly not to, to, you know, professionally develop ourselves every single day. But there's a point in time when you got to say, okay, this is what I believe in. And it might be based off of, you know, 10 different ideas that you got from other amazing coaches. But I think there's got to be a time you sit down and say, okay, what's important to me and what do I want this program to represent um, no matter what? You know what I mean? Win, lose, or draw. Our program represents rider heart and soul. Our program represents strong young women who go out into this world and become successful. Like, that's important to us. The student athlete aspect of things that's important to us you know what's important to you on the court you know are you changing offenses every single year or you know i'm going to change my defensive philosophy every year because i just saw this talk and we'll be that now well maybe that's not who you have on your team yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and i always say this too blake and i'll say it to you i believe that when you become a head coach year two and year three are absolutely the hardest two years i don't think there's any question about it the first year is a honeymoon you know what I mean? Because everybody loves change. Everybody wants yeah. something new and different, and you get to be the flavor of the month, and everybody's all excited. Year two and year three, that's when you're really going to roll up your sleeves and see the type of program that you have and your convictions on how you want it to go. Yeah, it's good. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Yeah. Um, for you guys this year, you, again – 26 wins, uh, 18 of them mm-hmm. in conference, which are both pretty yeah. unbelievable marks. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I know you, you said, you know, you don't have that. You, you've never said, okay, we've arrived. But was there was there any point this year, uh, whether it was a game, whether it was a practice or something, where you look and go, okay, we, we got a chance to, to really do yeah. something special. Was there a moment like that? Yeah. Well, I think, it, I don't know if it was exactly one moment, but... You know, this year we challenged ourselves. We try to do that every year, but this year, um, you know, we, we challenged ourselves in our non-conference schedule. Um, we took the team to Puerto Rico in the summer um, just to to start the process and continue the process of building this team. We had a really tight unit of 16 years, but we were also mixing in four freshmen. Um, so, And a lot of my seniors are like 22 and 23, and my freshmen are like 17 and 18. So there is that connector that we had to make sure that we really locked in on. Um, I thought we did a lot more mental training this year. And then when we got into early season um, non-conference and we were fortunate enough to, you know, beat Penn State at Penn State, beat Georgetown at Georgetown, beat Xavier. And we challenged ourselves to some some more power five games um, with this older group, which we felt could handle it. And when we were able to win those games, I did say to myself, okay, we've we've done what we needed to do in the non-conference to be successful in conference. Um we played, you know, bigger teams in the past and they've been competitive games, but we weren't able to get over hump and win them. And I thought this year winning those three um, games was a big deal. And, you know, we went to Florida um, for the ace on Mac challenge and played really well. And that was probably the weekend when you knew that Stella was 
going to do something special. Um, you know, she put back-to-back basically 40-point nights up against Linscombe in North Florida. Um, and then you kind of look and say, okay, Stella's ready for the long haul here. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, there were two pretty incredible uh, performances that early in the season. Uh, made you stop and think a little bit, you know? So I think, you know, our non-conference getting through November and December successfully, because in the past we, we have struggled in November in particularly. Um, you know, we've always looked at, okay, how are we starting? What are we doing in preseason? We're not winning the games in November. We feel like we should. Um, and this year we did. And I think it was important. I think it was really important. I, gave, I think it gave our older kids some confidence um, moving into conference. And, and the MAC, I mean, Blake, I, I know you're familiar with it. I know your wife played in the MAC. I mean, it's, it's a really good conference. You know, I mean, it's, it's incredibly competitive. Um, with the likes of Quinnipiac and Marist. And, you know, I mean, it's just their, their perennial, you know, NCAA tournament, both into the Sweet 16. Um, it's a challenge every single night. And, um, you know, one that, that we look forward to, but you, you got to be ready to play because anybody beats anybody in the Mac. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, of those two losses, one of them was Marist, which you guys split against each other, but the other, the other mm-hmm. game, probably a game that you go, Oh, we shouldn't be losing this game. But uh, to, right. yeah, to your point though, it's, it's not, it's not one of those leagues where you can just take a night off and just skate by with no, a win. No. And we, yeah. And I mean, I take full responsibility for that game. We were not ready. We went on the road to St. Pete's, and, and they played a terrific game, and, and we didn't play our best. And when you don't play your best, you're going to get beat, you know? I mean, we're not um, – we never walk on the court, you know, oh, we're Ryder, we're just going to win. Like, that's – we've never been built that way because, you know, going from where we started, we know how quickly things can change. Yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, that night we were not ready to play. There's no doubt about it. And credit to St. Pete's, they were – and how, I mean, what was it? Because you guys are, you're you're on a pretty nice little win streak. You lose there, and then you lose the Maris the next game. Yeah. So you're actually on a skid yeah. for a team that had well, seen so much funny. success. Yeah, it was funny because, um, you know, the the St. Pete's game happened, and then the Maris game happened. So on paper, you're looking at it, and, and you say, you know, the coach speak, oh, they were looking ahead to Maris. And then you lose <laughs> to Maris. Like, oh, my God, they're on a two-game losing streak. <laughs> but, it was, but it was very, it was, if you really broke it down, and I said this to a couple of our, our reporters and, and guys that were talking to us after that Maris game, I'm like, you can't combine these two games. They were just two totally different games. Mm-hmm. I mean, St. Pete's, we were not ready to play. We played a bad basketball game. That game against Maris and both our games against Maris this year were so incredibly good. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. it was – and after that Maris loss, we didn't lose again. Right. You know? And that <laughs> yeah. was one – you know, we, we didn't lose again. And then, you know, so it was – it was um, it wasn't a wake-up call because – it was just it was just a great game. I mean, we beat Maris at Maris in overtime. They beat us at our place by two. They jumped us really early at our place. I mean, I think we were down I wanna say we were down at least fifteen or seventeen and fight, you know, all the way back and have the ball down two with a minute and a half and just didn't get the job done. You know? So they were two great games. So I never really looked at, you know, the St. Peace Maris as, Oh my god, we're on a skid, we're losing. Like it was just yeah. two completely different games. It just happened to be back to back. You know? Yeah. And then that Maris game, the way it ended, even though we lost, it ended, um, you know, with a pretty great comeback. And, you know, we kind of regrouped after that game and reset our sights on some stuff. And then we didn't lose again. Yeah, yeah. so it worked out okay. So, yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, this is the, the thing that everyone talks about now, and it's it's it, it gets a little repetitive, but it, it has to be discussed. You guys do finish in first place. You have the tiebreaker, so you're the number one team going into the tournament. Yeah. And then it gets shut down um and you know yeah it's the reason we're all home right now but uh for you guys especially though i mean you 
you, you hear about programs that have uh, one hits and, and quick ones. I just had on the Sanford coach, uh, Carly, who in her first year, they won the yeah. league. And this that wasn't the case for you. This has been a long climb, and you finally yeah. reached the top of it, and yeah. you have a chance to go and do the thing. And then it's pulled yeah, out from under you. For you, I mean, I can't imagine the difficulty it must have been for you and your seniors. Yeah, I mean, I, I say it's like, you know, the big picture is what it is right now in this world, and that's it's awful. But in our own little world, I mean, I, I'm selfishly absolutely devastated. Um, and not for myself, for, for our kids. And it was um, it was a tough couple days because everything happened so fast, you know. Yeah. there was It was like a snowball effect, and it was hard to control it. Um, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to be able to play our quarterfinal game, uh, which was a blessing. And then, you know, the next day we're practicing, um, at an offsite gym as things are starting to happen. You know, our, our phones are pinging, okay, the big 10 canceled, the big East canceled, all this. Um, and to the max credit, I mean, we have an amazing commissioner and Rich Enzer and, and he tried to find a way. I mean, uh, as of that morning at 10 o'clock, we were playing the tournament with no fans. And then, you know, by one o'clock it was over yeah you know so it was um it was a lot you know i, I kind of got the feeling at that practice that it might be our last practice and our players had no idea what was going on mm-hmm. um so we kind of toned down practice a little bit had a little fun um and it was a great it ended up being just a terrific last last practice and we circled up and i said hey you know there's some things that might be going on that we're going to have to talk about and then we went back to the hotel and as we're going back um you know we got the word that the tournament was going to be canceled so um you know, brought the kids in my room and we talked about it a little bit, but there was still that little glimmer of hope because when our tournament was canceled, the NCAA tournament was still happening. Um, so it kind of gave us that little bit of hope for that couple hours. I was hoping the NCAA might hold off for a couple days so we could just feel good about it for a couple sure, days. Sure, sure. Um, but I knew that wasn't going to happen. So, um, you know, a couple hours later when the NCAA, um, you know, needed to cancel as well. You know, I brought those six seniors um, into my room and then the, and the seven of us sat there for a long time. Um, and it was probably the worst 30, 40 minutes of my life, to really be honest with you. It was absolutely devastating. Um, and I know there were many teams that went through the same thing all over the country. But, um, you know, to, be, to have to tell those six seniors that their career was over um, was heartbreaking. It was really heartbreaking. And, and they they were devastated because it was just something that they – just committed to um 100 every single day from july you know to that point um so it was a really it was a tough time it was a tough time so we, we stayed in our little bubble for that 30 minutes and cried and hugged and tried to you know think about the positives and stuff um but it was tough it was really tough but i think the processing over the last couple of weeks has helped um you know, we're fortunate to be one of the teams that did get to play a game and we did get to end our season on a win. Um, and we did have, you know, the regular season championship that we clinched at that, you know, that crazy ending at Monmouth. And, you know, you look back on some of those games and those, a lot of those moments just become bigger, you know, and they become, you know, moments that, that these kids will remember forever. And I hope, you know, when we do finally get to celebrate this year and celebrate those six seniors, um, that they really look back on, on everything, on this season as a positive and, and the, you know, the abrupt ending I hope is something that is not the asterisk that defines this season. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who hasn't yeah. seen the ending of that game at Monmouth, you need to go look it up. Cause it was <laughs> wild. So wild. It was it like, was, Oh, they lost. Oh wait, there's time. They won. <laughs> I know it was really unbelievable. Cause it was, I mean, we didn't, it was a good game defensive game by both teams. I mean, the game was obviously really low scoring. 
Um, we didn't execute really well that day at all. We just our offense just wasn't clicking. Um, the one play that we executed exactly the way it screwed up was the last play of the game. <laughs> well, which matters we when did. there's less than a second uh, on yeah. the clock. <laughs> I mean, it was, um, it was, yeah, it was, you know, from, from Stella's hard cut to Daisy's back screen to Stover's pass. I mean, probably the best pass I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Amari jumping up and getting that. And it was just, it, yeah, it was amazing finish. And, and that became, you know, and I said it then, I mean, the biggest bucket in Ryder women's basketball history. Yeah. I mean, it brought us our first championship. That's good stuff. In very dramatic fashion. Not the way <laughs> we threw that up, but, you know. You'll <laughs> say a win thing. is a win is a win, right? Oh, that's Absolutely. good. That's good. Um, so now that the, the season has ended and we're obviously in really weird times, how have you and mm-hmm. your staff and been able to, how are you guys navigating things now? I know we're all kind of in that, you know, how do you recruit from home? How do you, you right. know, keep your team together right. for you guys? How have you been yeah. able to kind of, you know, keep things going forward as much as you can? Yeah, it's you know it's been a challenge. It's um you know the the players were actually right in the middle of doing my end of year meetings. You know, Facetimes all day today and tomorrow, just checking in on everybody, making sure everybody's kind of locked in on what comes next. Um, you know, Ryder had the extended spring break, which technically we're still on through this weekend, so academics will pick up next week. So just trying to get back in that mode. If we were in normal circumstances, it would be academics and postseason starting Monday. So we need to make sure that you know our players are in that same mindset. Um, I think everybody's players' um, self-discipline and time management skills will absolutely be tested over the next couple months. There's no doubt about that. Um, and keeping in contact with our players as much as we can um, with our individual time with them, and then you know, team Zoom calls and things like that are going to be—they're going to be incredibly important, um, especially for us as we try to build um, and reload what we're losing you know we lose 16 years so we really have we're going from being very old to very young um so having those young players understand and you know i've talked to a couple already just the lessons they've learned from our seniors um they're going to carry on and you know as as they're telling me following their footsteps um but they're going to need guidance you know and really the only way to do it is is online and you know i'm not the most technical person in the world so it's (laughs) it's more challenging for me than i think it is for them (laughs) trying to figure out how to do everything and you know and then you know my staff and i doing our our calls and stuff and you know a lot of facetime these days and a lot of um you know it's the hardest part probably is recruiting to be honest with you blake because we're not out there evaluating we're not you know bringing kids on campus and things like that so that's definitely been a challenge um you know to stay the course um, you know, like I told my staff and like I've told a lot of the kids we talk to, it's not like we haven't been recruiting all year. We just have to finish it in a different way. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not starting. Um, we just have to find a way to finish things, um, you know, moving forward in a little bit more creative way. Um, and, and it's, you know, I feel bad for some of the players too, because they're trying to figure things out. Um, and it's been hard for them as well, just to, to figure out what their next steps are and how to handle all of this because there's so many unanswered questions you know april 15th is the day the ncaa put out there but i think we all um can pretty much assume that that's going to be extended i don't think anybody's going to be doing anything on april 16th i don't think that's going to happen um you know what it means for you know april and may and recruiting and all that i don't really think anybody knows yet so i think you have to assume um you know, that we're not going to be recruiting and, and find a way. Yep. You know, I think if we sit around and wait, you're probably doing your program a disservice. Yep. 
Yep. Agreed. Um, let's, yeah. let's, uh, say the world was normal right now and just things were going as usual. Are, are you someone who is able to, to take some time after the season to get away and shut down for a period of time or, or are you just go, go, go? All I the wish time? I was. No, I'm not, <laughs> unfortunately. I, <laughs> I really wish I was, but that's, um, that's just not who I am. Um, I try to do that in August, like for a week. But, um, no, I'm really not. I mean, I'd like to try and um, shorten my days a little bit this time of year. But um, I'm, I'm a get-up-and-go-to-the-office type of person. I mean, that's just, you know, I'm old school in that regard. I like to, I like to be in there. I like to be around the kids. I like to be around people. Um, so I'm not a sit-at-home type person. But So this is very difficult for me yeah. um, to not be in the office. Um, but, you know, I, I, like I said, I think it's a blessing in disguise for me because I have been able to process um, a lot of the positives, um, of this year and now, um, you know, starting on to next season and, and moving on to, to what we need to do to, to reload and make sure that we can, we can stay, um, as successful as we were this year. You know, we're not going to lower expectations by any means, but to make sure that we're ready to do that. Um, so it gives me a little bit more time to think on that, but, um, you know, unfortunately I don't get away very often as much as I probably should have. Yeah. Something non-basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. That's what we always say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, non-basketball note, I think you and I do share uh, a passion and a love for something very similar. Um, I hear that okay. I hear that you're a fan of Greek food. Oh, my God. My favorite. Absolutely. Yeah, so yeah. I My favorite part about recruiting in Chicago is going to Greek town. Yes. Everybody gets excited for the pizza, but yeah. I'm like, I don't want to go to Greek town. <laughs> yes. Anytime I come to any major city, and even if I just walk yes. by one of those streetcars, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to oh, stop yeah. and spend my money uh, here. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So, I mean, yeah. have you have you at least been getting some, you know, DoorDash, some Grubhub to the house and, and keeping that? I haven't, but it's funny. There's a We have a fantastic Greek restaurant right near my house, and it's funny that you say that because I don't know if they're doing takeout, but I need to find out because they have the best octopus anywhere. <laughs> so good. So good. And my favorite place in Philly, I don't feel like driving to Philly, but we do have a great place in Philly that I get takeout. And I'll drive to Philly just for takeout. Oh um, wow! Okay, they have the, they have great octopus too. That's one of my favorites. Okay, um, but yeah, I love it. I All love right. it. You're making me hungry. Now. I know, I know. I mean, I know, I know, I know. We 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 have a local <laughs> Pakistani Greek restaurant near us, which is a, an interesting mix. Yes, and it's family owned. In so. Minnesota. In Minnesota. You can get good Greek in Minnesota. I know right? it's it's and you would drive right by it and you wouldn't even notice it. So those and that's really? how you know it's good, See, right? They're the best ones. Yes, yes. They're the best ones. We yeah. when we moved here, our we were in a hotel and it was half a mile down the street from the place and I said, you know what? I'm just going to stick my head in here and see. And now we still live within yeah. three miles of the place. So I, uh, yeah, now yeah. they know you by name. That's right? right. And we'll keep them alive during this yep. crazy time. Cause they do deliver. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome. Um, last That's thing awesome. I'll get you out of here. Um, you, you mentioned it before. I mean, you're, you're, you are in a great location uh, for recruiting mm-hmm. and for living, obviously, yep. for you. But, man, there are so many other schools that can say the same thing that are within driving distance for yep. you guys. Yeah. What, well, why is Ryder any different? Why is your program different? Why, yeah. you know, what, why, are, why should they, why should people consider, look, yeah. think about you guys more so than anything else? What is it about you guys? Right. Yeah, well, the biggest thing for us, Blake, is, is, I believe that Ryder is a really special place. And I think being able to speak from experience, um, and like I said, most of my staff are Ryder alums. So I think when, when young ladies come to our campus, I think they can really feel the passion that we have for Ryder. Um, and we're kind of living proof of what Ryder can do for you. 
Um, and I think that that is a big point that we try to push because um, I do believe it's a special place. And I do believe that that life after rider, which is, you know, what we try to prepare our kids for is a big deal. And I think being able to be in the area that we're in, be around the people. Um, and I think people make a program. I mean, you know, it's, you know, now, you know, we have more wins than we used to have. And, you know, we have a beautiful practice facility and offices and a beautiful locker room. And, and things have changed over the last 13 years for the better. Um, and we've done a lot of things, you know, um, aesthetically with our program. And, and things change. And, and you try to do a lot of different things. But the one thing that doesn't change is what we're built on. You know, we're built on rider, heart, and soul. And we're built on the people that um, believe in that. And that have worn the uniform and have, you know, blood, sweat and tears in the same uniform in the same, you know, in the same lockers in the same court. Um, and I think that carries a lot of weight because I think it's, it's important to know um, who you're around every day, you know, and is, is your door open and, and, you know, are, are we going to build a relationship? Because that's really what it's about. I mean, I love basketball, but let me tell you what, I love hanging out in my office, just hanging out with my kids and talking about nothing, you know, Netflix yeah. movies and boyfriends and, you know, all that other stuff that, um, you know, I say it a lot, you know, we get a lot of players, you know, you come in as a freshman and you're 18 years old, you leave as a senior, as a 22 year old woman. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on between 17 and 22 in a young woman's life that has nothing to do with basketball. Yeah. And I think it's important that that's part of, um, who we are and part of the growth process to make sure that, um, you know, the young ladies that we're fortunate enough to have in our program leave Ryder, um, with a good, stable foundation, um, able to make the right choices and survive in this crazy world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you guys are obviously doing it right. And uh, again, an incredible year. Uh, I'm sorry you guys didn't get a chance to, you know, finish it out the way you wanted to, but still fun to fun to see yeah. what you've done, fun to see what you've built. And I really just appreciate you sharing kind of your heart and your vision with me today. And uh, yeah, I really do appreciate it, Coach. So thanks so much for the time. No, this was great. Like, I really appreciate it. I mean, I think you do a great job. You're a huge advocate for our sport, which I think is amazing. Um, you guys are like a power couple out there in Minnesota, um, which is awesome. I love following you guys. But I think it's just, it's, it is, it's important that we have people in our, in our sport that, that genuinely care about it. Um, and you're definitely one of those guys. And I appreciate you giving me a chance to just, you know, talk about Ryder and what we've done and our program and our vision um, and, you know, what we feel like we can do moving forward. And then, everybody else out there i hope everybody's home and safe and healthy and um heeding the warnings so we can you know everybody do what they're supposed to do so we can get through this tough time and get back to doing what we love well i appreciate the kind words and look forward to seeing uh, what you guys are able to put out there uh, next year and uh yeah i look forward to crossing paths soon awesome thanks blake well, thanks again to Lynn Milligan, head coach at Ryder. Really enjoyed hearing about her and her, her team, and you can you can hear the passion come through, and I always appreciate uh, when people just kind of give off that enthusiasm and energy, and uh, Coach certainly did. Thank you for listening to The Jump Around, whether you're listening on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen, it's appreciated. If you can leave a rating or review wherever you do listen, that is appreciated as well. You can find me on Twitter always at Blake Dudonis. And until next time, this is The Jump Around.